Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 350 Premium for Thursday, September 1st, 2011. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. The show where, well, the show that you've subscribed to, and we appreciate it. Uh, here in Durham, New Hampshire, with power, I'm Dave Hamilton. <laughs> Likewise, and still here with power and internet and all that, all that fancy stuff uh, here in Fairfield, Connecticut, which kind of got slammed. John F. Braun. Actually, you know, it's really not fair to say that either of our towns got slammed uh, by this hurricane when you compare it to uh, what uh, happened What happened in places like Vermont. It, what, what we got totally com- and completely pales in comparison. And my thoughts go uh, out to those people. Uh, yes, it does. Now, I'll, I'll, all I'll say is today I, I was finally able to get to the end of one of the roads here that they did close off. Mm-hmm. And... Um, one of our roads here that is right by the beach, uh, probably I, be- I believe between 10 and 20 houses were condemned or, or, wow. or yeah, no, well, they're right on the beach. Yeah. Some of them are on stilts and stuff. So I got some pictures. I haven't posted them yet, but yeah, nowhere near communities that had entire neighborhoods underwater or houses just, or, or bridges just float away. So it, it was a lot of this was the luck of the draw where, where you were. Right. I that, mean, that's some of it, right. some of it, I mean, even uh, that there's still people in my town that do not have power after several days. You, UI and CLNP are doing the best they can, but it's a, it's a, you know, it's complex. You, you can't just flip a switch and turn everybody on. You, right. you got to deal with the trees and you got to transformers and you got to make sure. Yeah. It, 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 it's hazardous work and they're doing the best they can, but uh, that's what you think. Uh, that that's, uh, I, I wouldn't want to do it, man. No, I agree. I, uh, I agree. Yeah, I wouldn't. Tough. I don't know if we have any wisdom or anything to share about hurricane or bad weather strategies. I mean, I've, I've, I've discussed it a bit on some other podcasts I've been on over the last few days. I, I don't know if you I, have anything I have a cool geeky story about uh, okay. a little technological Go. problem. So, uh, as I was telling you during the pre-show, John, we lost our power here, um, for what, for us, when we lose power is a relatively short period of time. We lost it for about 50 hours. Uh, it went out about noon Sunday. It came back about uh, two or three on, on, uh, Tuesday. But uh, but for whatever reason, I guess the timing of this, I, you know, I needed to get a lot of work done this week. And, you know, of course, you all know I've been traveling a lot. And, and so I, I, I actually lost a little bit of my sanity with this one. I, I went a little bit over the deep end, but uh, just n- not being at, uh, at full performance here. But uh, well, did you? I, I just want to ask because my understanding. So you have a generator. So you had and, and my understanding is that so the generator is a replacement for power from the grid. And that that's it's cool. in line. It's it's what gas or diesel powered. Yeah. So what we have currently is a portable generator. It's an eighty five hundred watt. So it's a fairly large portable generator. Uh, and we have it hooked up to what's commonly called a Gentran box. Uh, what you do is uh, you wire in to in between your it, like the Gentran box wires into your circuit breaker panel and it. Uh, intercepts power from the street and then sends it back on a circuit by circuit basis. Uh, so we have in the house, we have a, a 10 circuit uh, Gentran box, which means I can take 10 of my circuits that are in my circuit breaker 
and route them over to this box. And what the box has per circuit is uh, it's either coming from the street. There is no power going to the circuit or it's coming from the generator. And that way you are protecting the linemen that are out there working uh, and not accidentally sending power up the line once they repair whatever wire is broken. You know, it's it's a it's a safety cutoff. Uh, but so it, we don't power everything with this generator. Uh, and of course, that may change. We, we've you know, we've had enough power outages here that we know what what works for us and what doesn't. But but by and large, the generator does fine at the house. We have it powering, you know, many lights, refrigerator, water pump, uh, you know, the, the oil burner. Uh, we can cook and it powers the TV, of course, because that's important. Uh, and we're <laughs> Americans. Uh, <laughs> so uh, but anyway, you know, it, it does fine. The problem we have uh, is that the house and the office I've mentioned are separate buildings. And so uh, they actually get separate serve. I have two electric services coming into the property here, one for the office and we pay two separate bills and they actually charge me more for the office because we don't have running water here. And so therefore it qualifies as commercial rates, which is just brilliant. But anyway, mm -hmm. yeah, but so I have one of those Gentran boxes hooked up here at the office too. And I can use the generator in either place, but not both simultaneously. And I think after this last storm, I think I'm just going to invest in a second generator because, you know, we needed to keep the refrigerators going and all that stuff at the house. So I really didn't have power here at the office. And yes, I can move computers and did over to the house. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. But uh, but, you know, I, it was still in kind of survival mode as opposed to normal, you know, comfortable working mode. So I think I'm going to buy another generator. And what I might do is get a an automatic uh, standby generator for the house. Increased expense, but uh, but it, it might be might be more. No, let me ask you this. Want. Yeah. So so of course, power to the house you have mostly covered. <clears throat> yeah, you, you made your yes. choices as far as what circuits are powered. Now, exactly. Of course, the things that you do not have control over are. Now, I don't know about you, but I still have a landline telephone, and actually they use that during the emergency to, to give us alerts. They, uh, I got several calls. It said, this is from CT Alert, please listen. And it was stuff from our selectmen right. telling us what, what's going down, and they have my number, I, however sure. they got it, sure. um, on file. So I got messages, but of course the thing we do not have control over is whether our landline phone service, and more importantly, our internet service especially if it's a cable connection which i have and i think you have as well and in right. my case also you know i got incredibly lucky in that i never lost power or cable vision cable modem though i did have a backup in place which would have been the clear right. 3g 4g device so 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 i'm, I'm wondering you know yeah. not to draw it out too much so so those are two things you did not have control over is that you could have lost your phone service or your internet service but we and, have and no was, phone service we we get our phone okay service so you don't all right so you IP. have voip okay Correct. so you have voip phone so so then you're reliant on your cable modem or dsi no cable right cable, cable modem. Yep. comcast so, yeah with comcast so here's the interesting thing typically when we lose power we do not lose our cable service uh, for whatever reason that just, you know, that's the, the way the wires come in. That's, that's how it works. Uh, so with, with the generator on, I can still get on my cable modem and, you know, uh, we've got TV and, and all that stuff like live TV. Uh, this time, like I said, we lost power at about midday that evening, seven o'clock, our cable went out. Uh, and as it turns out, there was another tree that came down later in the day. And that's why, uh, 
And then that came back up probably Tuesday, Tuesday about noontime. So the cable was fixed before. But either way. So at first I have a we run a FileMaker server here. So knowing it's Sunday afternoon, knowing that uh, the staff, uh, especially at Backbeat Media, is going to need to get into the FileMaker server that's here come Monday morning. Uh, I brought all that from the office to the house. And, uh, and, and I thought I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, I can reprogram one of the routers at the house. But the simplest thing was I just brought the router from the house over along with the cable modem, plugged it all in and it was fine. Uh, a router from the office rather, because that's where it all comes into. But, uh, but so that worked fine until the cable went out and I started thinking, oh man, you know, I gotta, I, I, how am I going to get these people online? Sure. I can get online with my MiFi or like you said, the clear unit, uh, okay, but, I was thinking, go ahead, but, but, but you had backup options, but yeah, was to, it worth- to get me online, but you know, as far mm-hmm. as getting the other guys. And so then I started thinking and I, I tested between the two and, and on Sunday evening, the clear unit was far more, the service for it was far more reliable. All I get to hear is 3G either way. So it didn't matter. Uh, but the service on it was far more reliable than it was on the MiFi. So I figured, okay, for this storm, we'll go with the clear unit. I set it up. Everybody could get online. No problem. Uh, And, and then I started thinking, okay, how am I going to get this server online? And uh, so what I did is my router still runs that uh, DDWRT firmware. It's a Linksys router, uh, kind of a standard Linksys router, but because it's running this special firmware, which is available for free, we'll put a link in the show notes. uh, It has some more flexibility. So I took the normally you get your internet connection from an ethernet line into the router and then the router shares it uh, as everyone's used to it. Most people that listen, I think use routers. So, uh, but this firmware lets me use my wireless radio as not an access point, but as a client. So I connected, uh, I got internet connection coming from the three G on clear. And then I, uh, I moved uh, the, the in, inside the, the router, I moved it from access point mode to client mode on the wireless and connected the router over wireless to the clear unit. So 3G Internet into clear Wi-Fi over to the router and then the router shared it just like it always does. And uh, and, and so I gave the guys the IP of the clear unit and and they came and FileMaker worked just fine. They said they couldn't even tell the difference. So uh, so that was pretty cool setting all that up and. uh and 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 it, and it worked just fine. And so we were able to get everything online. And, and it was, you know, in terms of that, it was fairly normal. Uh, and then when obviously when the power came back, I had to shut everything down just to move it all back to the office. But uh, but yeah, so pretty cool that, uh, that that we were able to do that. OK, the one thing I will add. So we had the as I mentioned, the town alert service. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, and also, of course, you know, a, a, a radio having a radio with batteries <laughs> is good. Uh, most of the radio stations were up. Some went out for a bit. But um, one thing that I found very useful, Dave, is uh, uh, the government, though some people, you know, say the government can't do anything right. I found in this case, they certainly did. And uh, NOAA, which is, of course, the government uh, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, yeah. I think. That's right. Um, well, there's a subchannel called NHC underscore Atlantic, National Hurricane Center underscore Atlantic. Okay. And if you're not following them on Twitter, you may want to, because that actually gave me very If you're in accurate. the Atlantic. 
Well, of course, if you're on right. the East Coast here, which of course we are, but if you're on the yeah. Atlantic, this gives you very accurate updates. And that actually helped me realize that when it was coming along here, that it actually, as far as I could tell, the center did not hit Connecticut. No, no. It veered away and started going into New York and then, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Vermont, which was not expecting it. But um, but this thing was tweeting updates uh, on a very regular basis. So as long as you have access. And my, my case, my backup plan was if my computer would have worn out, uh, so one backup plan was I had, you know, extra batteries. I actually have three of them, two newer batteries and my old Apple battery, which is about on its charge limit. Then I had my iPhone and then I, I actually had several Richard Solo 1800s that I ordered. They had a special recently where they're like under 10 bucks each. So I would have been able to run several days, I think, on the iPhone yep. and follow Twitter. So uh, that feed uh, helped me get up to date information along with some of the local publications here. So cool. uh, so so anyway, so that's the uh, that's the, the the geeky side of the uh, of the whole storm thing, and uh, yeah, like I said, I just I, it, it's a simple solution. I just need to add a, add a second generator. Uh, I mean, the only uh, thing I, I, I want to add, I mentioned it on the other podcast I was on, but you know, if a storm is going to come and you think your house is going to get washed away or flooded or something like that, uh, don't think about it when you think the storm's coming. Think about it now when you're listening to us right now. Get uh, offsite backup. Whether oh, it's Dropbox, yeah. whether it's Sugar Sync, whether it's uh, Dolly Drive actually now has a hurricane special. <laughs> they posted something on their site if you're in, in one of the states on the East Coast here huh. uh, that they will offer a special, I think a, a three month special for a discount uh, using their service. But because the problem is making a backup is great. But if your backup is in the same location as your house just got flooded, then you're, you're kind of screwed. So think about making backups and maybe think about scanning your documents, important documents and putting them uh, which somewhere. Which podcast was this? Because I think you're I think you're rehashing your to right. I mean, it, it, well, I, I we'll get, it's on. a different move listener on. base, but but, you know, it's it's uh, I, we should get to what we're what we're here to do. Well, I just care about our listeners. I know. Well, and I wanted to explain why we didn't do show 350 on Monday because I had no power. So moving on. Yeah. Uh, okay. We'll start with John, not you, but listener John. He writes, why does my time machine screen in system preferences show I have 49.5 gigs available, yet a get info or double clicking my time machine disk shows only 10 gigs available. I'm using a lion on a late 2006 iMac. Why the difference? Okay, I have uh, I have seen this. It it doesn't happen all the time for me, but I have seen this in the past. And I think it's when Time Machine knows how much space it can clear off of a drive. Uh, it, it when Time Machine stores backups, it it stores some extra data, and uh, and it can purge that data at at a future point. But it's sort of marked to be purged, and uh, especially inside sparse bundles and. And so I think that's where that I had always assumed that's where that discrepancy was coming from anytime I'd seen it. Uh, so in that sense, trust time machine, but it could also be related to the next question. But I, I want to, before we get into the next one, I want, I want to see if you have anything to say on this time machine thing, John. I got to say, I have nothing to say because I looked both Dave at a local time machine volume. I have on my Mac mini yep. and my sparse image that I have on my, my MacBook pro and the amount of data that, that it says is free in the time machine system preference is exactly the same as the finder reports. Okay. So, uh, so I'm, I'm 
I'm a bit confused here because it seems at least on two of my systems, both running different operating systems, but both running Time Machine and different, both one a directly connected drive and one a sparse image, they both are, are in sync. So I'm not quite sure. Though I, I think I'm with you. Sometimes Time Machine does kind of fudge. I think that's the best explanation. All right. Sometimes it knows how much how much space may be available to, to free up uh, on a moment's notice. So right. But I, I, I hadn't seen it, so I, I guess I'm not adding much here. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's move on uh, to another thing that, that, that we have seen in Lion. Uh, Tim, listener Tim, wrote in, and he actually asked, he said, does menu meters have an issue calculating free space when using Mac OS X Lion? My free, space, my free space numbers all on the same drive are as follows. 170 gig uh, from, I believe, menu meters. Uh, sorry. No. Um 170 gig, 147 gig, and 137 gigs. One of those uh, is from menu meters. And uh, uh, let's see, I'm trying to figure out which one it is because he's got different screenshots here. So the 137 was from menu meters. The 170 was in the finder. And then a get info on the drive was the one, the one thirty-seven. So things are all over the place here. And we did, we did a little bit more digging and what happens is very interesting. And in fact, the finder is wrong and menu meters is right. And, and what I mean by that is you can go into the terminal and do a DF command. And if you do a DF space dash H, it will show you the, uh, the listings of how much space you have used in free on your drives in what's called human readable format, which is what the dash H means. And very, very interesting that, uh, the finder is misreporting this data for, again, in Tim's case, uh, Menu meters and Unix, the DF command, show 135 gigs available. Okay, so we've got this better here. Uh, and then for some reason, the finder shows 170 and then, uh, you know, 160 in a, in a different spot. So I think the finder, the finder in Lion is over-reporting the amount of free space available. Now, it could be because it's adding up stuff that's in the trash and assuming that that can be deleted, but otherwise, I'm not I'm not sure why the finder is misreporting. And I'm seeing this on my systems, too. Uh, and I think you are as well. Yeah, John. I've seen it, but let me offer you this, Dave. OK. So I've seen it as well. So I look at my MacBook Pro and on my 500 gig drive. Yep. I stat menus and DF report 224 gigabytes free. Lion reports. Well, no, I'm sorry. That is incorrect. You know what DF reports, Dave? What is DF report? DF reports data in GI. Correct. You notice this? Yes. Yes. Now, is GI the same as GB? Because Finder reports it in gigabytes. And I'm just trying to dig around right now because I do believe those are slightly different ways. Slightly to do, different numbers, but not, not, within. but not enough to compensate for the. Yeah, because I saw about a 20 gigabyte delta in the, uh, to continue. So I saw between I, both ISTAT menus and DF reported 224 gigs free and Lion reported 241. So we got about 20 gigabytes of, uh, 
yep. or so of a mysterious, you know, of I'm, a delta I'm, there. I'm seeing about 10 uh, different where, where my, on my Lion machine right now, it says I've got 130 gigs free on, on the SSD. And uh, the finder says I have 140 gigs free on the SSD. So this is a consistent issue. And, uh, I, I, and I don't know the answer I, I can presume, but you know, I don't think I have 10 gigs of stuff in my trash. I'm happy to empty it and see if that fixes the problem. I mean, there's, you know, these other things like we talked about, like there's the, the hidden partition, but that's about 500 megabytes, right? Yeah. But to my knowledge, lion's not going to go and delete mm-hmm. that hidden partition if it needs oh, the space not. or is sure. it? Certainly, I hope not. I, yeah, I hope not. Yeah, okay. I'm just so I wondering my if it, trash. I, and it, I'm it, just wondering if it, in its calculation, it's discounting some of this hidden space. So I guess what we need to to, to determine is what 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 is Lion what is Lion not including or including, right? To to come up with its figure and, it, and, and, and in we, the short we don't term, know the answer yet. Before we have that answer, in the short term, it's very important for you to know that the amount of space that the finder is reporting that you have free on your hard drive is not the amount of space that's actually free on the drive. Now, whether or not lion will make that space free, whether or not this is a bug or lion simply saying, trust me, I can get you an extra 10 gigs if we need them. Uh, it, you know, is something I don't know the answer to, uh, but, but that mm-hmm. we'll get, it's very interesting. And, uh, if anybody out there knows, we're going to continue digging, but uh, but obviously looking for all information. But in, in, for the time being, install something like menu meters or iStat menus, or if you don't want to do that uh, and you're comfortable dropping down to the terminal, it's a it's a very unscary command. DF uh, Delta Frank Delta Foxtrot, I guess, is what uh, Pilot Pete and the rest of mm-hmm. the NATO phonetic <laughs> alphabet using people would call it. So uh, Delta Frank dash H for human. And then that'll give you a listing of all your discs. And um, it looks a little crazy at first, but you'll be able to to make sense of it. Very interesting, John. I wish uh, I wish we knew the answer here. We will. I know that's that's the beauty. We'll we'll, fi- we'll find it out. Uh, you know, in previous shows, we talked about flat rate repairs, and Chris wrote in, and he said. Uh, I don't know where to go to initiate a flat rate repair with Apple care. Is there a page or do you have to call a certain number? I've done as much Google searching as I can and I haven't found anything. Okay. So here's the thing. Uh, every technician at Apple care knows about flat rate repair. So you simply have to ask, but in most cases you don't even have to ask. They'll evaluate what's going on. And for me, every time I've sent in a machine, uh, they always offer, you know, if it's out of warranty, obviously if it's in warranty, there's no charge, but out of warranty, they, the flat rate repair essentially allows them to act like it's in warranty. Uh, think of it as buying a warranty for, you know, 90 days, which is what you get. Uh, it allows them to go through and fix anything that's wrong with it all for one flat price. And of course, if you're out of warranty and you need a new motherboard, the, the price of flat rate repair is far cheaper than than even the cost of, of the motherboard, usually like half or less. So uh, simply ask for it. But also don't be surprised if the technician suggests it because it's it's often the right way. You know, Apple's support center is built for people that have Apple care. They're really not built for an a la carte style by the hour 
you know, by the part sort of uh, setup. So they'd much prefer you to just buy into, you know, short term warranty, i.e. flat rate repair, uh, because then that fits in their little box really, really well. And they can just fix whatever they want to fix, which is in, in the end, probably what you want to. That's that's my feeling on that, John. I don't know, you've used flat rate repair before on out of warranty stuff, haven't you? Mm, no. no. Okay. No, I've always, uh, I've always managed, uh, when I had a problem to get it covered, okay. I think my, my worst was my tie book when, uh, after about six back and forths with the overnight box, they finally right. gave me a new machine. Right. But no, I've never, I've never done the flat rate, but my understanding is about it. It's usually in the range of about 300 something dollars. Well, it depends on the, depending on the machine, on but, the machine, right? It's probably somewhere between 200 and 400, I think is probably a, a safe bet on iPods. It is a hundred or I'm sorry on. Yeah. On my, my son's iPod touch. It was going to be 139 bucks, but they waived it. Uh, as I mentioned okay. in a previous show. Oh yeah. But for a computer, I think in general, unless it's obvious that it, it, it has been subject to, you know, being thrown off a building or something. Right. In which case they won't offer. I, I believe that they're not supposed to offer that because it, it's clearly been subject to sure severe damage. Then they will offer the flat rate yep. for, for, for most cases. Yep. That's right. All right. Moving on, uh, on to Andrew. Hi, John. Hi, Dave. It's Andrew in San Francisco, just listening to the excellent discussion on 349 Premium uh, regarding uh, File Vault. Uh, I switched it on a few, few weeks ago, and you know, now I actually know what it does, thanks to your explanation. Just one other little thing I have noticed since um, I've turned it on and, and done all of that. When you go into disk utility and you go to erase a hard drive or reformat a hard drive or a USB drive or anything now, it actually gives you more choices. Um, normally you just get um, Mac OS uh, journaled, whereas now it gives you Mac OS extended, journaled, and encrypted. Could you please explain the difference between the two and what you think uh, I should be doing uh, with future disk drives? And are they the same password as my other disk drive? Thanks, boys. Coming off. Bye. Bye. John, you want to start with this one? Yes, I do, because I dove in and I took the risk here. Good. So number one, the thing I want to explain here is that when you're in disk utility and you, you see a race, now if you go, yeah, so if you highlight a partition or a disk, you will see erase as one of the options. Now what you may also notice is that you're going to see three periods after that. And I believe that's called an ellipsis. Correct. Is that right, Dave? Yep. And what that means, at least in most modern operating systems, what that means is that when you click on that button, you're not going to do something that's going to end the world. Well, yeah, <laughs> or you're, then, you're, you're not going to do something that will take effect immediately. What that means is I'm going to give you at least one more other dialogue right. within which to make a decision about what's going to happen. So, so I want to offer that. You were the one the that pointed is, that out to me. I mean, I, my guess is yeah. that most Mac Geek Up listeners know that because you, you, you schooled us on that. The ellipses always means there's more yet to come before you make a right. final decision. But we're going back to school because it, it never hurts to go back oh, to school. Oh, it's good. So whenever you see three dots after a choice, whether it be in disutility or in a menu choice, that means you will get another choice. So when you see the three dots, do not be afraid. It means whatever you're going to do is not going to be permanent. You're going to get at least one chance to back out or make another decision. Now, in the case of this, what I found, Dave, 
is when I highlighted, so in the, on my Lion machine now, when I highlighted a partition and I clicked on Erase, and I selected in the format menu, Mac OS Extended Journaled, comma, Encrypted, you know what I got? I got a really cool dialogue I hadn't seen before. And it says, are you sure you want to erase the disk Hitachi HT blah, 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 and create an encrypted partition? So in this case, what I did is I highlighted on a partition. And basically what it did is it asked me, it said, oh, by the way, this is going to be in a, uh, I won't read all the, the, the parts of the dialogue here, but basically what this is doing is it's going to prompt you as if you did a file vault two operation, it's going to ask you for a password for their partition because being an encrypted partition, one part of that is you need a password to access it. So, I wanted to offer the thing about the ellipsis and the dialogue and that you do not have to be afraid to click on that because you can always back out. You can always say cancel from that. But basically what it's doing is giving you a chance from the point you format the partition to make it encrypted, which I think is kind of nice. And moving forward, of course, now that we have File Vault and we have volume level or partition and or volume level encryption, um, you now see this option in disutility, which is a nice touch that I I was not aware of, but I investigated it and... Uh, and it's cool. Cool. So that, that I think is, is the answer. <laughs> uh, but, but okay. So it's cool, but does it use the same password? Well, well, well it prompts you. So, so oh, it says, okay. Okay. So it says password verify. It, it, it gives you a prompt. It tells you the strength of your password oh, and it great. asks for a hint. So I think it does everything that, that happens when you do a file vault two encryption of, of a volume. Got it. Oh, that's very cool. That's uh, yeah. That's again. I was not afraid because I saw the ellipsis. So I was. Uh, I clicked on one of my partitions that was in active use, and this dialogue came up. Now I didn't continue with it because I. I actually, I'll admit, as of yet, I have not yet encrypted my uh, my hard drive with File Vault Two. I think I'm going to make another full backup. <laughs> uh, you know, I like I said, I did it, and obviously, I had a you backup. Did. Oh, yeah, right. I, I told you this in the last show. Remember, Did we you talked about it. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, I did it. I so did it, it seemed. Uh, how long did it take? So, so the, the, the size of the volume. How long did it? Uh, two hundred. I think it's a two hundred and fifty gig uh, stock regular spindle hard drive in my two thousand seven mm -hmm. iMac, and okay. it had maybe twenty gigs free at the time. It's a fairly full drive, and it took. Uh, seven or eight hours maybe, but, but here's the thing. Once you start the process and there's a little bit you go through when you started, once it gets going, you just keep using the machine like normal. Okay. So yeah. you were able to use the hard drive. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. doing it in the background. Oh, well that's on, very nice. On okay. the boot drive. Yeah. It's magic. And then oh, when it's done, it just on the says boot drive. That's, Oh yeah. That's impressive. Okay. That's and then good. when it's done, it just says, okay, reboot. I think, I think it said reboot. I'm pretty sure it did. And, and then the only difference is, and we talked, of course we talked about this in the last show is, uh, that you're, uh, you're asked to log in, which is how you decrypt the drive very early in the startup process. Uh, but other, you know, uh, normally your machine is like, if you have, like services running on it, a web server or, or screen sharing or file sharing or anything like that. Normally sitting at the login screen, your machine is accessible. That is not the case at the first login screen. When you have file vault installed, you have to decrypt the drive and let the machine boot up. It cannot boot without you first doing that. So, mm -hmm. yep. 
No, it's good stuff. All right. So also we've got a lot uh, following up, but uh, enhancing on, I shall say, uh, show 349. And I found a thing, John, we were talking about how to prevent syncing in uh, of, of automatic syncing of your iPod or, or iPhone. And I was digging through iTunes dialogues for a completely yeah. different thing. Yep. And if you go I got into, your note, if, yep. If you go into uh, iTunes preferences and you go to the devices uh, tab, in addition to listing your device backups and all that other handy stuff, there is a checkbox that says prevent iPods, iPhones and iPads from syncing automatically. So you can just turn it off system wide or at least user account wide. And that way, if you do have a problem that, you know, every time you start syncing, your machine crashes or something, you can check this box and still plug right. in the iPod and, you know, reformat it and, or do whatever you need to do. And, and if you were listening in the show, I mentioned that I do believe I said it was in one of the dialogues, but you, you crystallized it for there you me. Go. Yeah. And I believe what happened is actually after I did hold down. So I believe it's option command. Mm -hmm. So on a per launch basis, if you hold down option command, when you launch iTunes, it will disable syncing, I believe, with any device, which is what I found. Right. Which was the tip. But then actually, I believe what I did, I may not have been explicit, but I when I did go to the preferences, that box was checked. Now, I believe because I held it down during launch, um, it was checked on a per launch basis. So what you're suggesting is a permanent permanent setting, right? right. Which, you know, and I, I, I got mixed feelings where the, I, I would lean towards. Yeah, I get, I, I have, I have uh, my iPhone and my iPad. I do not have sync when, uh, really? when they connect. No, because I'm, I'm always, so you doing, prefer, so you prefer manual. Well, yeah. And then my okay. iPad might possibly be running the iOS five beta. And so I sync that over Wi-Fi. Oh, well, but, well yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I don't like it to sync because sometimes I like to use the good reader USB thing, or I want to check phone view or, you know, any one of the myriad utilities that, that talks directly to the device. And, uh, or sometimes I just want to charge it and I don't want it to fire up iTunes and go through this whole syncing stuff. So I turn, I uncheck that, uh, you know, there's a, there's a thing for each device. You can tell it sync automatically, uh, when you plug in the device, if you go to the, uh, highlight the device, once it's plugged in and go to the, uh, info pet tab, which is the first one. And then, uh, and then there's a little checkbox there that says, you know, sync or don't sync. So I have one of my iPads, my old iPod classic. And the only reason I would ever plug it in is to sync it. That one that syncs automatically. The rest of them, I, ha I just, I've unchecked that box on a per device basis. So you bring up a good point. So you can have it on a global basis or a device basis or correct. Correct. Oh. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you turn off the global one right, with the right. other checkbox, then it just won't do it for any of the ones. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I have it customized that way and, and it works great because that way, if I need to charge my iPhone quick or whatever, or as I said, do anything, I can plug it in and I don't have to worry about iTunes even launching, let alone trying to sync, which is handy. Uh, Okay, so we got a question from Daniel here, which uh, which is probably going to lead into a, a very sort of generic discussion about Lion. But but anyway, we'll 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 start here. He said, since I upgraded to Lion, I keep getting kernel panics, maybe two to five per week. There's nothing in particular that I'm doing that seems to make it panic. Sometimes aperture, sometimes garage, garage band at mail, etc. I've looked through the kernel log and it gives me reasons like previous shutdown cause five. Thanks, Apple. 
Uh, do I need to wait for a software update or is there something more sinister going on that I can't see? Okay. So I'm going to start this one off. Uh, and, and first Go. I'll say, uh, and this is not where I want to take this discussion, but first I'll say kernel panics can be caused by um, either poorly written hardware drivers. Typically mm-hmm. they can be caused by a lot of things, poorly written software, hardware drivers or bad hardware. Most often bad Ram uh, or a me- bad memory controller on the motherboard. So that mm. certainly is a possibility for a kernel panic. Uh, w- would you, in, in a general sense, John, would you add anything to that list? I would, I would focus. So, so if people want to know where to look on their system, to find I just these wanted, things. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I'm, I'm just saying, so system profiler, software, <laughs> extensions is where you're going to find these things. No, I'm, I'm with you, but I just want to help people focus in on where to look on their system to find these because right. the, 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 the kernel extensions or extensions, that's where they live. Right. And if any of these are, no, I agree with you. If, if any of these are wonky or poorly written, then they will in all likelihood cause a, a kernel panic but I, I, I just want to give people guidance sure so it's it's hardware you know but it's typically it's either hardware or something to do with hardware typically uh, well well uh well no i shake my fist at you <laughs> well no, no it's it's both no because kernel extensions marry the hardware to the system that's what i'm saying right it's it's okay. either hardware or, or software that's specifically dealing with hardware typically i okay i i, I agree with you and yeah. if the software that deals with the hardware is faulty, then right. yes, you will get a kernel panic. Yes. And, and you find those by looking in system profiler software extensions. Please you find the extensions, not the kernel panics. Those you find in the, well, you, you're told about those because your machine locks up. But anyway, um, th- really, I think your issue is that you upgraded to Lion. And so I'm going to say something that's, that's probably going to seem a little jarring at first. I don't believe anyone should upgrade to Lion. Now, that doesn't mean I, I don't think you should be using Lion. I don't believe you should upgrade to Lion. I have upgraded two machines here to Lion personally, and I've been uh, tangentially involved in probably another dozen machines uh, upgraded to Lion. And then that doesn't, of course, include all of you, which now turns it into thousands of machines that we've been privy to at least some of the details of the really? upgrade to Lion. And all the reports, if I aggregate them all together, it seems like the upgrade process is foobar. There is something inherently wrong that leaves the system in a very unstable state. Every machine that I've personally upgraded to Lion, and, and, and I'm, I'm discounting yours here, John, because you tend to solve your own problems. But, uh, but any other machine I've heard about has been every machine of those, you know, dozen that I'm sort of tangentially involved in. Every one of them has been flaky since the upgrade to line. Now I'm talking about go to the app store, pay your 30 bucks, download, install, good to go. However, the machines that have had lion put on them from scratch, which is not an easy process. And we've talked about it here. uh, And then even either copying data over or migration assistant, uh, you know, pulling it over with that. Things have been fine. And, and so I think there's just something wrong with the update, with the upgrade process to Lion. It's inheriting more or the wrong stuff than it should be from Snow Leopard. And it, it's just not good. Um, I, 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 I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, though, John, because I know sometimes 
uh, especially on points like this, we, we vehemently disagree. You know, I'm going to look here, but, but I think in general, I, I, I concur because wow. I, the, the, well, well, the one thing two geeks say, well, the, the one thing that I saw and so I, I think the question's coming up, but I'll mention it now. But the one thing that I saw, which definitely did not work right, was the, the Wi-Fi reconnect. That's one of them. Sleep. Yep. That's one where, as far as I can tell, the only people that experienced this problem were people that upgraded from Snow Leopard. Um, um, yeah, Snow Leopard to Lion. Yeah. And I eventually solved it, and we'll, 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 we'll go into detail a little later, I think. We'll, we'll, we'll do it next. No, we'll, we'll do, we'll do it next. Yeah. But uh, as far as I can tell, the people that were upgrade candidates were the ones that ran into this. So, you know, it reflecting it's a hard problem because as i mentioned you got all these kernel extensions and and it's not just kernel extensions but you have other pieces of software scattered throughout the system and for them to get it totally right as far as you know should i get rid of this and put a new one in here or should i link to this or that should i clear these caches i think it's it's a error prone process and sometimes yeah you you stumble across the combination of pieces of software that talk to the hardware that cause the kernel panic. So, but you know, it's not even because this is, uh, I've heard of people with kernel panics and obviously, you know, Daniel's one of them, but, but that's not the extent of it. I mean, like you said, there's a little Wi-Fi thing that we're going to talk about. I found spotlight is like terribly slow (laughs) on machines and, and the searching for spotlight is, is slow. Uh, several people with mail well, problems. Well, time machine, I'll shake my fist. You know what I did? I eventually eradicated. Can I say it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Well, I, I was telling you, I had this problem where, where I looked in the console and my time machine, it would keep saying, waiting for index, waiting for index, waiting for index. I'm like, you know, I can't wait for you to wait for the index. So I wiped out. So I went to my time capsule. I went to the airport utility, went to, I believe it's the disk menu and said erase. And I wiped it, uh, hooked up gigabit ethernet to my MacBook pro and did a full, you know, it, it, it went overnight because I have several hundred gigabytes right on the hard drive, but I ran it overnight and it did a full fresh new backup because uh, I, I think you suggested Dave, there's just something, there's something wrong with the sparse bundle. I can't fix it. I think, you know, I ran disutility and I'm just like, you know what? I give up. And it just seemed to get worse after I upgraded to Lion. Uh-huh. I never, I never recall that error. I mean, the thing is eventually it would usually complete, but I saw this message so often in the console saying, waiting for index, waiting for index. I'm like, I, I can't wait for you to wait for this. No, I want the, the backup to occur within yeah. <laughs> minutes, not hours. Right. And sometimes it would take hours right. waiting for this index, whatever the heck it is. And I'm still not clear on what, what exactly that means. So yeah, I wiped it out and I, I started from scratch, but, but I had a full backup again, no sure. point of failure, but I had a full backup before I upgraded the machine to lion. So I didn't feel bad wiping my, uh, my time capsule backup. So, but that's another thing I noticed. And I don't think, uh, and I saw several reports of that as well, is that a lot of people, had problems with time capsule after the upgrade or, or time machine after the upgrade in, yeah. in this waiting thing. So it's just not a, it, 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 and like you said, it's a tough thing to, for Apple to manage, but uh, you know, now I've, I've got one machine over at the house that's still in the state of having been upgraded from snow leopard. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's working okay now, but I had to spend a lot of time kind of massaging all these little quirks out of it. Uh, but of course in my office now I'm running this new 27 inch, you know, quad core I seven iMac, which 
it, I'll take a little tangent here. John, this thing is awesome. Um, it's so ridiculously fast. I got it with the uh, 256 gig SSD and a one terabyte uh, spindle drive inside it. And obviously it boots off the SSD and, uh, and it's just so fast. In fact, today I was, I had a bunch of stuff queued up uh, to be converted with handbrake. And so I, I had it do like eight full length movies and it was bouncing one per one out every say 20 to 25 minutes. And, uh, which is really impressive. It used to take about two hours on my, on my old iMac. So it, it, it's, it's fast. And that 27 inch screen is beautiful. Uh, so it's, uh, it's been, it's been an interesting little ride with that, that computer, but, um, you know, uh, but, but, but that one, I took a clone of my old, uh, computer, my old MacBook pro, and I just migrated stuff from that clone drive. So essentially from my MacBook pro over and it's been fine, but again, it came with its own fresh install of lion. I've since wiped out that old MacBook Pro and started it from scratch on Lion. And now it's doing fine, whereas previously it had been a total nightmare. So uh, so I really I don't recommend you upgrade to Lion. Now, of course, it's very difficult to get <laughs> Lion on there without doing the upgrade because you've got to download the installer and you can go back into previous shows and we'll put links in the show notes about uh, how to make a USB uh, stick uh, with Lion. But uh, and then you can boot from that and and it and it works fine. Well, but here's something interesting, John. This is a scary thing. And this is Apple reaching way, me. way too far. So, uh, OK, so the process and it's it's important to understand the process of creating this boot um, USB stick. So I'll talk about it very briefly. Uh, you download the Lion installer and then uh, mm-hmm. You, it, what I do is I copy the the Lion installer off to another drive so that uh, mm-hmm. so that it's safe, right? And I put it actually on my Drobo, uh, and it's just a you know three point six gig application or something. But if you dig into the package, right. right, you find this file inside the contents folder called install, install ESD. ESD. Yep, right, my d- friend. Dot DMG. Yep. And then that's what you use uh, to burn to your eight gigabyte uh, or larger USB stick, uh, and so. I had heard, and so I did that when Lion came out. So I had a 10.70 installer on the USB stick. Then I wanted to upgrade, uh, or I wanted to do this fresh install on my MacBook Pro. And I had heard, mm-hmm. and it's true, that the App Store now has 10.7.1 available. Correct. So I went through these machinations to ha- to force the App Store to re-download Mac OS X Lion so that I'd get... Uh, 10.7.1. It won't download it because it sees that I have Lion installed because, of course, I'm doing this for my Lion machine. But you can I ran hold- into the same thing, but, but you can hold- I have multiple machines. Oh, no, but give me the trick because actually I went to the machine that I didn't install it on okay. and it had an offer to sure. download the new version. But no, yeah, no, I, I thought there was a trick, but I couldn't figure it out. So please the, enlighten us. There then. is. Don, Don McAllister actually posted a, a an article, Don from Screencast Online, um, and it, it's a it's a trick. Oh, I'm, I'm looking to see if I can find the steps here uh, because it's it's not that bad. Uh, redownload Lion. So here it is. Don's steps are you have to open the Mac App Store. You go to the purchased icon and then you find the entry for Lion and you hold the option key down and click on the OS 10 Lion label next to the icon. Now keep going. You got to keep going. Then when that page opens, the installed button changes to install. 
Uh, you click on the install button and you get a warning dialogue saying uh, this is already installed. Hold down the option key again and click OK. Then hold down the option key and click the install button. And then it downloads it. And uh, and so that was this was an interesting thing. So I started the download and it's OK. So I, I jumped through these hoops and I'll, I'll give you this so that we can put it in the show notes, John. And uh, and so I, I did this and it started downloading. And the whole time it's downloading uh, you know, I was doing other things on the computer because it's like four gigs or whatever. So it took a half hour or whatever to download. And every now and then I noticed my outbound uh, and I saw this in iStat menus, my outbound network bandwidth would, would spike. And I'm like, I'm not doing a backup. Mm. I wonder what I wonder what that is. I didn't really think much of it because it would happen for a little bit and then it would stop. Happen for wow. a little bit, it would stop. If you were only running little snitch. Well, I know you despise. But. I don't know that little snitch would have told me about this because okay. you'll hear where we're going with this. Go. So every now and then I'd see this spike and, and I, I did look a little bit and I couldn't see that there was anything running that was doing this. So I thought, well, whatever. And, uh, and then when the download finished, I, I went to get it out of my applications folder, which is where uh, the, the app store puts the OS 10 lion installer. And I was going to copy it over and put it on my Drobo and, and, you know, replace the copy that's there and then do the whole install ESD burn to a USB stick thing again. And I couldn't find it in the applications folder, but, but, Oh, so when the installer finishes, it launches or when the download finishes, it launches the installer. And of course the installer says, Mm. you already have this. I'm not going to run. And so it stops. And I thought, so then I went to applications and I couldn't find it. I'm like, well, I just downloaded four gigs worth of stuff. Where did, and it clearly was downloaded and it ran. Where did it run from? So then I thought, aha, it ran. So I can go into the Apple menu, go into recent items. And there it is again. And, uh, and so I ran it again and it sure enough ran. And then while it was running, I right clicked on its icon in the dock and said, reveal and finder. And that's when the fear hit because it (laughs) brought It brought me to the copy that I had previously copied off to my Drobo into a subfolder. It found it uh-huh. and it replaced it. It The one that was there, the 1070 thing was gone and it was completely replaced with 1071. And here's the thing. I had downloaded that and put it on my Drobo from a different Mac. So it wasn't even that this iMac knew somehow that I downloaded it and moved it over. This is my brand new iMac. It came with Lion. So I'd never downloaded Lion on this. It somehow scoured amongst all the mounted drives, found this installer and replaced it. That ain't right. I agree. I get why they're so, trying so to do that, it. That was the, so, that, so that was the, what was going on in the background. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Then it all made sense, right? It was uploading because it was saving off to the Drobo. So that's why there was blasting all this, this bandwidth out because the Drobo is a network device. Hmm. Yeah. Scary, huh? Because I just downloaded it because again, I was, uh, I had one machine that downloaded it and one that did not. So I downloaded the one that did not. And I did the same install ESD.DMG burn to DVD thing. And now I have two DVDs, which of course, you know, you want at least... 4.7 4.7 gigabytes of space, which I believe is what your standard DVD uh, is. Four point. Yeah. You can get away with 4.3. That's what I do. Okay. Yeah. But, but it I think has my to DVDs, be more than four. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Four gig flash drive or whatever. But, but I, I believe the, the standard DVD is 4.7 gigs. Correct. That's for right. a single sided one yeah. or a single layer, which, but it actually turns out to 4.4 free, right? Once it's formatted. Okay. Isn't that how it works? I, I forget. I forget Something like that. Is. Yeah. 
But wow. isn't that scary that it went out and did this? And I mentioned this to Adam uh, Christensen because I was uh, I had a call with him right afterwards. I'm like, dude, you got to know that this isn't right. <laughs> and uh, and he's like, yeah, he's like, I, I experienced that with something similar. It wasn't exactly the same scenario, but it, but it was an external drive, you know, and it, it went off and found it. He's like, yeah, you know, that's Apple. Trying to, and it, it is, it's them trying to, to make sure that you don't wind up with old copies of things that, you know, you don't expect to have and et cetera, et cetera. I get, I get why someone thinks this might be a good idea, but it sure comes across as pretty darn evil. So I don't know about evil, but it's scary at the, at the very least, Dave, they should offer an option for people who want to burn. I mean, they did start offering the, the USB drive, right? Yeah, I guess that's true for 60 bucks or whatever it is. Yep. You can buy a USB stick with lion on it. Right. But I will say I will. I'm going to shake my fist at them for not offering an easy way for people to burn the installer to external media in that we have to go through all these hand waves, whether it be to an external USB device, which I believe you want to make sure you format it as GUID. Right. I think that's the key. You know, partition it, it is on, good. Yeah, or yeah. partition it is good or burn it to a, a DVD. Yeah. Uh, but I'm with you. The, 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 them making that uh, more difficult than it should be is. Uh, then that's, that's why you listen to us. That's right. Yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> and we'll link to the article again. It, it's very straightforward. Once you know the steps, it, it's very easy to do. Yeah. You just got to open the package, find this disk image and just have some media available that has enough space. And then you'll get a bootable installer and you're cool and the bootable but, uh, thing worked I, that's when i installed you know lion fresh I, I used disk utility to wipe out the hard drive in my macbook pro and uh and then i put lion on it and it worked just like i would expect it to in fact it went pretty quick which was uh which was good you know it much faster than booting from a dvd uh those tend to be pretty slow i guess but uh yeah, it's pretty interesting. All right, so we we discussed uh, potentially uh, solving Denny's Wi-Fi problem, and Denny writes, "I have a MacBook Pro with uh, Snow Leopard on a 48 gig SSD in the uh, Express Card slot. When I sleep, the computer it's almost instantaneous. When I wake the computer, it's almost instantaneous. More than half the time, when I make wake the computer, it can't find my Wi-Fi N network on an airport extreme." It brings up the dialogue that says none of my preferred networks are available. I have to go to the menu, turn airport uh, Wi-Fi off, then immediately turn it back on. It then finds my N network with no problem. Do you have any idea why it can't find the N network in the first place? This is the question that you wanted me to answer, John, or did I pull the wrong one? No, that's it. Because this is Snow Leopard. This has nothing to do with Lion. (sighs) But I I think the advice is similar. Okay. Lion made it worse. Okay. But the advice thing we're going to offer, I think, applies to both because Good. in my case, so so I've noticed a number of people have noticed this problem has gotten worse with Lion, especially if you've upgraded. Our friend Victor had the problem, and I think we've all solved it. So here are the steps on either operating system that you want to take to try to solve this. So number one, I would say, go to System Preferences Network then go to the airport interface, and then you're going to have a, I, I believe, under the advanced button. I think I'm getting this right. You will see preferred networks. Wipe that list out. Okay. Because that is all the networks. It, it, because normally you'll be set up. Normally, the way it's set up is that if you join a network, it's going to remember it. Because it kind of makes sense. You, you may want to connect to it in the future. Um, so wipe that list out. And I'm going to describe the steps to you because it solved my problem with Lion. So number okay. one. Yep. Um, clear that list out. 
started from scratch, you know, highlight everything in there and hit the minus button and get rid of all of them. Okay. The other thing you may want to do is take the interface. So if if you are looking in the uh, system preferences network, you're going to see a list of interfaces. And if you if you do have the Wi-Fi interface, you know, click on it and you're going to see a minus icon. That's going to remove it and then add it back again. That may clear up some. Go ahead. You have to add it back manually, though. Correct. Okay. Right. So once you delete it, then when you're in that location. So the other thing, yeah. So so you want to think about this because the the network system preference also supports locations. Now, in my case, I have locations for uh, on both of my machines, home wired, home wireless, Wi-Fi, maybe my 3G connection. So, so you want to you, you want to be you want to keep these two in sync. Sure. So what I would suggest. Uh, so another thing I would suggest is to have a specific location just for your wireless connection, and only have that wireless connection as the active interface. Now you may be asking yourself, how do I make an interface active or inactive? Well, you're going to see all the interfaces on the left side of the screen, and if you click on one of them, and then you click on the little service menu or the little gear, um, you can say make service active or make service inactive. So at least my suggestion, just to eliminate multiple interfaces all fighting with each other is to have locations that are specific to a, a, a particular type of connectivity. And I don't know if you agree with me or not on this, Dave. I, this is how I set up my system. I do agree with you. And I used to okay. do this with, with all of my machines, especially my portable machines, because it really helped me kind of keep things straight. Mm. Uh, and, and in practice, I think it's great. This is one of these things where it's going to be do what I say, not what I do. Um, <laughs> I now configure all my computers to uh, to work with one profile everywhere. And I leave it at automatic DHCP uh, Ethernet prioritized over airport. Again, you can in that same little gear drop down, uh, you can you can hit uh, what's called set service order. And that will decide mm-hmm. if it sees a network connection on multiple devices, which one is going to be the one that it's going to use to try to get out to the Internet. Um so, it, for example, you could connect if you had your computer connected Wi-Fi to the Internet, but you had it connected to another computer with Ethernet. You could actually see that other computer and the Internet simultaneously. But uh, you're going to you want to pick which one is the primary connection for your outbound uh, for your outbound traffic. Right. right. OK. But uh, but I, I set up all my computers the same. Wi-Fi is number two. Ethernet's number one. It's all DHCP. And then I've mm-hmm. gone crazy and set up my router here at home to manually assign IP addresses to every device, but that way it's all managed in one spot. And if I need to change someone's IP, I don't have to go to the computer to do it. I can do it right at the router, but, but I'm a crazy man and I'm a geek. So you have to understand that I like things like that. Uh, if you want to, you know, have it set up on your own, uh, that's okay. And again, it, I, I get it. It's a, it's not a bad way to do things. I'm just crazy. Like I said, I lost a little bit of my sanity and I don't think it's coming back. I think it's gone. I think it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's gone. Some of it's here. Hey. Now the, uh, and the last thing, yeah. right? So number one, you know, clear out preferred networks. Number two, you may want to delete and re-add an interface. Number three, you may want to set up your location profile. So you only have Wi-Fi as the only active interface. But then the final thing, Dave, is you may want to go into keychain access and wipe out any old crufty little automatic logins that you have to log into your base station. And I did that as well. And, and you so can we have to sort do in this. Go, you, okay. You're going to explain the steps. Go. 
Yeah. Well, 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 well a bit here. I'm looking. I'm, I was kind of caught by surprise here because I went through it, but I didn't document it. But if you go to Keychain Access, for example, I'm looking here right now. So I'm looking in. Let's see. I look in my login keychain. Up. Oh, you know, you may want to look in all your keychains. So I'm looking at my login keychain, and I see several where in the name category, it lists the name of my my uh, base station, and the kind is airport dispassword. I have so a, that's one type. I have a better way of doing this. Um, it's actually you you just just sort by sort by kind, and look for all. It, it's not airport disk password that matters for you because that's only for time capsules it's airport network passwords and that's where you're going to see all but now which saved but now passwords. which key which keychain are you highlighting? because when you're in keychain access you have to highlight a keychain why well, i only are you highlighting let's let's assume i'm like most users and i only have one keychain on my on my mac well no you don't no you have more than one i know start up your key but but i see login john braun system x519 anchors yeah you okay? So here's that. This is an interesting thing. You're Are you sh- saying in category I should click on all items? I, I'm I'm unclear what you're. No, suggesting. no, no. You, you in theory should have. Well, there should be two, two keychains. Are, are you running keychain access? Yeah, there should be two keychains. Right, there should be login and system. Uh, okay. Because you've upgraded right. from older machines, you've also got a John F. Braun keychain, but that's that's a holdover right. from old days, from the old days, right? Okay, but I do have login and system, and in login, I yeah. see that's true. There's several gonna, entries. Yep, and there's going to be even uh, more in system. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, what are you saying? You're right. You have two. There's two that everybody has: the login and system keychain. That's where you want to look for these things. Okay, I, I lied before. So it. All right. So yeah. uh, so so the advice is within both the login and the system keychain. If you see anything that has a name that corresponds to the name of your wireless space station, you may want to whack those entries. And then when you try to reconnect, it'll ask again. Yeah. I, I changed that kind advice, should, Yeah. Just sort no, by go ahead, kind. Go ahead. Well, instead of searching by name and potentially missing something, if okay. you sort, if you sort by kind that, then it just makes it easier to see airport. And the kind will password. be airport network password. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And after I did, so after I did uh, all of that, it seems that now when I wake up my Lion machine, it will consistently reconnect my airport because that was annoying because when you think it's connected and it's not, and then everything just goes wonky and just and nobody, you know, nobody works and they put up all these errors and stuff like that. So it works okay. And I, I got to say the one nod to Lion is that now, of course, on the login screen, you will see the airport icon indicating the state of the connection. And that was actually the the thing that would scare me is that I'd wake oh, up the machine right. and when I didn't see it light up, I'd be like, oh, no, not again. Now uh, yeah. So huh. that's one nice little touch on, on Lion is that it shows you, you know, the time, the, the date, uh, the airport status, a, a few other things on the login screen, which it didn't, of course, do, do in Snow Leopard. So, so sometimes you got to, you just, uh, and you know, I think it may be, you know, the same sort of issue. There was just some cruft left over from Snow Leopard that Lion just didn't like. And every now and then it would just, it, it just couldn't figure it out. The, the other thing I did, which I don't know if it had anything to do with it, Dave, was um, we talked about this, is that I reset my time capsule, uh, which is the same as the, you know, Airport Extreme, yep. for the most part. But I set it to automatic channel selection. Now, here's the weird thing. You know what it selected? It selected it's- channel two. Oh, interesting. Like, because uh, channel two, as far as I know, is one of those channels that's not 
an exclusive channel. Well, it's I think exclusive one six if, and a, if your other channel is 11. Correct, correct. But I believe the the channels that are guaranteed not to overlap with others are 1, 6, and 11, right? Well, no, no, no. It, let's, let's be very clear. Channel be clear. 1, channel one and 2 will overlap with each other. Channel 1 and 3 will overlap with each other. What Because, it, it, and it, it's easier to see this in a graphic, but you have to think of the channel as the but, apex but I thought I, of a but triangle. But I thought what I said is 1, 6, and 11 do not overlap with each other. With each other. Statement? That's okay. correct. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yes. I thought I said that, but maybe I didn't. No, yeah. <laughs> but no, you're right. So yeah, one and two have portions that overlap. Though the, the the technology allows that. It's not right. a bad thing, right? You can have somebody on channel one and somebody on channel two near each other, and and they can both operate. Yeah, not, but you'll get you'll get limited performance. Right, right. Limited range and and potentially sure. issues. Yeah, that's right. Because they, because they do share bits and pieces of the spectrum, so. Right, but I think I'm far enough away where the base station, for whatever reason, said, you know what, one's not good? Yeah, let me kick it up to two. Okay, two looks good. Huh? And, uh, you know, everything yeah, I, seems to be working. I might, yeah, I may want to push it to six. Uh, I'll do another scan with something like... iStumbler. Uh, iStumbler was giving me problems. Someone indicated they, they didn't have problems, but iStumbler 99, <clears throat> excuse me, at yeah. least on Lion, I run it. Thirty seconds later, it crashes. Someone else wrote and said it didn't. The, the, we did verify, oh, air, Dave. You air, and I. Air radar is the one yes, that we talked we about. We did that on the last show. show. Yeah, yep. That's right. On the last show, I ran air radar. Air radar two, and and it it appears to be compatible with Lion. So cool. So I think six is my next choice. I, I think I, uh, there's somebody near me that has one, but I think six is the be, next best best choice. So be I think I'll careful do that. of six because that's the one that if someone else comes mm-hmm. in and sets up a new base station, typically all the non Apple routers pick six as their default. So mm. just, you know, you just, if you, if you have a router set to six and you are potentially near where someone else could come at a future date and set one up, uh, check regularly because I had that problem here and you know, we're not that close to other people right here, John, but I had one neighbor that, you know, she must've been on the South side of her house that, that she put this router in and I had ours on the North side and it worked great on channel six for a while. And then I started having problems and finally ran eye stumbler and it was like, Hey, there's another, what? Oh, you know, so. of course the other thing is I could, I could kick it up a notch. Now I believe, uh, no, I don't think this is an option. So, so I have the older, time capsule which is single band not dual band and i'm on 2.4 gigahertz because i have a old legacy 802.g device right 802.11g device i could kick it up a notch and use the 5 gigahertz band or you could dig out one of your old 2.4 gigahertz routers put it they're in, all dead oh put it i was gonna say put it in bridge mode and then run two you know two parallel networks in your right room. oh you're good. Oh, you know, no. if if they weren't, you know, I have a, I have at least a couple of links. This is in a box that are just dead, and I don't know why. So do me a favor, check them because you never know. One of them might be good enough to put in bridge mode and work, right? And if it, if they're not, throw them away. Yeah, no, we have a recycle center in town, which or, I, or I, that. I, 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 no, I do have a box of things that that I, I eventually will bring to the recycle center. <laughs> Listen, I just, I just rearranged my office and cleaned out a bunch of stuff, and I, I'm totally guilty of keeping things that I absolutely don't need. But if anybody out there needs a 40 pin SCSI cable, I'm your man. I got one. <laughs> it's not far. It's like maybe 15 feet from me right here. 
It, it's within reach. I've got SCSI terminators. I have old local talk connectors. I have an Asante local talk to Ethernet bridge. Sweet. That thing is worth money. If you've got an old laser printer that you want to get on an Ethernet network, that's the only way to do it. And you can't buy those anymore. But if you need one, let me right. know. I'll, maybe I'll, I'll just give it to you. And I, I see it out of the corner of my eye. I, I still have my 17-inch Trinitron. Sony oh. Trinitron. Yeah, I got a couple of those. Monitor, which uh, it worked for the most part, except every now and then there'd be a, a crackle and a pop. And Hey, while we're talking about cool stuff, can I bring us back into... <laughs> and I, I, know, I know I was the one that brought us back into the plat no. in the past. Uh, I had the opportunity uh, recently, and I know we're, we're getting toward the end of the show, so we'll call this Cool Stuff Found here because it is Cool Stuff Found. I had the opportunity to check out this Sonos stuff. Uh, now Sonos, I don't know why I had, had sort of ignored is the wrong word. I just hadn't well, we've seen them at the, we've interest. seen them, I think yeah. at Macworld. Uh, yeah. I mean, they showed a really nice, uh, kind of home theater kind of, you know, living room, sit down and check it out thing. And I, I, I think we, we both passed by them and that said, yeah, that looks kind of neat. Well, they you know, their whole entry into the market was multi-room listening, right? That was their, that's their whole, the core of what started them down their path. And, and it used to be really expensive to get started. It was like a thousand bucks because you had to get two speaker units and this controller nah. thing and all this other stuff, but it's cool and it worked. Now uh, they've kind of brought the cost of entry down significantly for two reasons. Number one, they've made less expensive speakers uh, and we'll talk about those, but they also uh, now allow you to control the whole system with your iOS device, your iPad, your iPod touch, or your, uh, your iPhone. Didn't so, they used to? And I think the problem was, is that you used to need a control panel in each room. Mm, you could get away with just one, but, uh, okay. but then you had to move from room to room. So, so here's, here's the interesting thing. The Sonos system actually creates its own wireless network. And they do this because they need to know that they're going to get guaranteed transmission uh, timing so that if you happen to want sound in two places simultaneously, you actually get it simultaneously. And that's very important. So they set up what they call their own wireless mesh. Uh, it's very similar to a, a normal wireless network in terms of ranges and that sort of thing. But uh, but it's it's not operating uh, on your Wi-Fi network. So when you get a Sonos unit and and you can start out with just one of these things and even just one of them is cool. Uh, you 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 get the unit and one device has to be plugged into Ethernet. But once you've got one device in the house on Ethernet, Everything else you can just plug in. And when I say plug in, I mean plug into the wall to power. So uh, the Play 3 are the speaker sets that I've got there. It's an all enclosed uh, little speaker set. It sells uh, the Sonos sells it for two ninety nine and it's got multiple speakers inside it. These people are crazy uh, in a good way. Um, I, I actually got a chance to, to spend some time with with the guy in the lab who tweaks these speakers it's not just normal speakers because there's a processor inside it so they can get away and do a lot of other very, very cool things. Uh, as you increase or decrease the volume, it actually changes the way the speakers are EQ'd so that even at low volumes, you get nice low end sound. And it's not just like a typical loudness kind of booster thing. There's actual intelligence happening with every click of the volume knob. It's really, really cool. Uh, but the way the system works is even cooler. 
So you get this thing connected and then you go on your iOS device or your Mac. There's a Mac app for it too. And you connect and it says, Oh, I found some Sonos devices on your network. This is great. And, and you name them and then it says, okay, uh, link up all your music. So you point it at your iTunes library and they've got an issue with lion right now that they're, they're working out. But, uh, but if you have it on your, you know, on a NAS drive or something that works fine. And I, I pointed it to my, uh, music library on my Drobo. It says, Oh, do you have a Spotify account? Yeah. Let's link that up. Do you have a Pandora account? Yep. Let's link that up. And you, there's tons of things, you know, that you can link up to this. They support all these services, but it's all inside the Sonos system. It's not controlled. It's controlled by your computer or your devices, but the brains of the operation is happening within the Sonos mesh. So you can uh, set it up on your computer and then shut your computer off. And you can even get music playing and then shut your computer off. You can then pull it up on your iPhone and say, Oh, I want the next song to be this. And it's just magically that. And then you can leave with your iPhone. It's not streaming from your iPhone. Your iPhone's just acting as the controller. And so you can build all these playlists and just have music playing. You can control the volume from the iPhone uh, and anyone in the house. You know, if I add a song, my kids can go in and replace it or add another song. I mean, it's just this very communal kind of music uh, listening experience. And we've been using it for a couple of weeks and everybody in the house loves these things. And we only have two of them. We have one in the, in the bedroom upstairs and one in the kitchen downstairs. So by and large, we're really only using one of these things, but even that just because we, we don't have to turn on a computer to listen to music anymore. We just go on our, you know, our, our iPhone and we say play and it just starts playing from whatever playlist we have queued up on the, on the, on the Sonos thing. And again, it can be from Spotify. It can be from iTunes. You can mix songs from a jillion different sources into a Sonos playlist that you can then save. And, uh, and it's really, really cool. And then it gets even cooler if you start linking them together. So you can, like I said, have multiple, uh, you could, you know, you can buy two or three of these, uh, you know, play threes or their larger version, the play five. And, uh, and have the same thing coming out of both. Or if you want now, the speakers, speakers are stereo. There's multiple speakers inside this little play three unit. But if you have two of them, you can turn them into a match stereo pair. So one of them acts as the left. One of them acts as the right. Uh, even if you've got just one running, if you turn it from and this is a feature of the play three, if you turn it from horizontal where it's doing left and right stereo to vertical. So if you want to like place it into a corner or something, it knows it's got a switch inside. It knows that you've gone vertical. It changes from stereo to mono and it changes the EQ structure of the sound to make it work better so that you don't get any weird phasing or anything from these two speakers being on top of each other. So uh, it's cool stuff, John. It's um, and if you don't have if you want your speakers to be totally uh, unconnected to the network, you still need to plug them into AC power. But if you want to be able to bring them outside or whatever, uh, for 50 bucks, you can get what they call the Sonos bridge and that uh, you just plug into your Ethernet network and then that creates the Sonos mesh just right from from there. And then you don't have to worry about, you know, marrying your speakers to your router. Or whatever. Oh, I'm going to have to stop by. Check it out. It's awesome. We love it. We love it. You know, what I, what I, what like, this doesn't have to go back, right? I'm like, no, we'll 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 negotiate with them and, and keep it. We got to you know, oh. we'll buy it from them or okay. something. Yeah. Oh, that'd be nice to you. Because you know the thing I gotta say that I like, I'm the only, you know, only one here for, for yeah. the present time in my house. But the thing that I dig is once TiVo added Pandora. Yeah. And I, I upgraded as as you may know, I upgraded my uh my 
home entertainment center sound system. So I got a Sony decoder and I got uh, four speakers now, two front, two rear. But Pandora frightened me, to be honest, because the music genome thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Once you tell it a few songs that you like. Yeah. It is uncanny. And and what you don't like, it is uncanny in what it picks that you will most likely enjoy. Yep. And streaming and and last I checked, I, I haven't I haven't done it in a while, but um last I checked, uh, Pandora over TiVo is still free. Pandora over any ads is free. Yeah, you you'll get well, some, I thought, some ads. Well, I thought I've never seen them on TiVo because I think they got a relationship. But on the computer sometimes no, I'll I get, get ads. I get ads through TiVo, really? I think. I think <laughs> Uh, yeah. I'm special, I guess, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, it's just, you know, and I certainly get it in the car when I listen to Pandora uh, streamed. But uh, but yeah, the, you got to check out this Sonos thing. It really, it, what it has done is it has taken all the barriers away from, you know, it. But what these guys started with was they said, gosh, you know, we used to just turn on music and now... You know, everybody's doing that, but they're plugging in headphones or you've got to go through well, all those machinations. The, you know, I, I seem to recall seeing them at shows and I just, okay, you're, you're kind of a distribution system and that's yeah, but it. it but, you know, but, you kind of, you kind of send music to here or there. And, and, and I didn't get the sense that there was really a lot of intelligence or, oh. or anything behind it. And I think that they've evolved. Uh, I think, then. I think we just missed the boat, to be honest. I, I think they've always yeah, sure. been this way, but here's oh, the, okay. here's the thing in meeting with them. I have zero fear. Now, of course there is this lion bug, but, but they are, they're working on it. Um, and it's just a bug with, with iTunes and lion. You can still get anything else. Uh, they are dedicated to making this experience totally seamless for the end user. Uh, and, and to the point where they joked with me, but they were like semi-serious. They're like, yeah, listen, you're kind of a geek. So we don't want your feedback on what this product uh, should do. But if your wife and kids have any good ideas, be sure to send them along, you know, cause they, they really, and, and it's true when you start using it, you realize, wow, this is, it's totally intuitive. It's very, they have a very Apple like gestalt there where it's, it's, you know, we don't care uh, we know that the consumer doesn't care what the technology involved needs to be to mm-hmm. work. We know that they just want to press play and have it work. And if right. they say they want the sound in all rooms, they press play. They don't need to know how difficult it is to do that. In fact, they should never know that it's difficult because we're going to make it seem easy. And uh, and that's what they've done. And it really, it, it you know, the, these these folks are pros. They're, they're, they're like smart you, guys. I like you mentioned that word. Gestalt. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's essence, a good word. Essence or shape of an entity's complete form, I think, yeah. is one definition of that. All right. There you go. So, But it's a level above just, yeah, sending music to and fro. But, 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 it's but, and getting yet, it. It's getting it, I think, but, is what. <laughs> right. But, it, but, but that, but it seems like that's all it is. It's that simple. I mean, you know, all you got to do is pull your phone out of your pocket, say play, oh. and you're done. That's well, it. if it's a, if if it's the music you want, right? Then yes, right. And I guess that's the whole thing: is can you know where I'm at and send me the music I want at this point in time? That's it. And, and, and if you can, then then yeah, it's a, then it's totally natural. Yep. So I highly recommend you check it out. I know we cost you folks a lot of money listening to the show because we talk about all these great things, uh, but uh, you know, so <laughs> this Sonos thing's cool. So I I do recommend uh, so researching the, it. Yeah. So the show itself is. Is 
Well, a the price, the price in comparison. Right. It's a pair. It's a pittance in comparison. <laughs> that's right. But we do appreciate you supporting us here too. Although, uh, well, no, no, you're. I mean, Dave. I'm. You know, I, I'll I'll ring them. I'll see if they can hook me up. But um, but no. I mean, we like sharing cool new technology, uh, Mac or otherwise, with our with our uh, listeners. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you have any questions to ask, we do answer questions. We did in this show, too. We sort of rambled on a little bit about a couple of things, but it was we important answered. to ramble we, on. We did answer. Actually, we did. Yeah, we, we got answered. a little deep. Yeah, it was good. Uh, you can send us an email, because you're special, to premium at macgeekgab.com. And in this case, I'm going to totally agree with Dave in that you want to send an email to premium. At MacGeekGab.com. That's two geeks that recommend premium at MacGeekGab.com. Is that two thumbs up there from uh, Braun and Hamilton? Uh, <laughs> 206-666-GEEK is the number to call. And John, geek is? 4335? <laughs> You'd think after six and a half years you might know what that is by now. Should yeah. I put it in the show notes? Should I have it in the agenda just so that we're totally covered in case we have a... a 4335. There it is. Call us, please. You can Skype us to Mac Geek Gab, and you can uh, you can visit us on Facebook. You can even like us on Facebook at facacom gab I think that does it. We're out of here. Yeah. We'll be back on Tuesday. Uh, with oh, our is Monday show. some sort of Monday holiday? here in the U.S. is Labor Day. That's right. Well, shouldn't we be laboring on Labor Day? Uh, producing up. Uh, I don't no. think that's how it works, John. It's, oh, it's the kids possible. Got, kids got school off, right? They do. Yeah, they just started yesterday, and now they'll have Monday off. Oh, they did. Yeah. Ours, due to the weather, is uh, delayed. Huh? Huh? I'd like to thank Michael Johnston from We Have Communicators podcast. Uh, he converts this to AAC for us and for you, and of course the bandwidth is from Cashfly. You all rock, by the way. Thank you so much. You do rock. It's true. It's true.